welcome to the Awakening Church podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. Good morning, Awakening Church. My name is Nassim, if we haven't met, and I work on staff here as our Connections and Communications Director. And this morning, I'm stoked to bring the word. It's so crazy for me to think about how at the start of this year in January, I was preaching to you guys on stage in a cafeteria at Del Mar High School to hundreds of people in a crowd on our Awakening Vision series. Yes, that was this year, if you can believe it. And now it's like a year later, and here we are in this beautiful makeshift studio, and I'm just left thinking, wow, this is so wild. What a difference a year makes. Normally at the end of a year, we do reflections, right? Maybe you had a word for 2020. Maybe you're looking back on different goals that you set out to accomplish. Um, I'm, I'm pretty nerdy and I love to journal. So for me, I love to do these monthly retrospectives, I call them. End of every month, I take out my journal and I just have this, these like series of questions I'll ask. How was I challenged this year? How did I grow? What was I feeling? And I, I just really, really value that time of reflection. And as we come to a close in 2020, just based on conversations I've had or things I've overheard, this common thread I've been hearing is this desire to forget about 2020, right? Like, let's just toss it to the wind. Let's forget about it. Let's start fresh next year. And honestly, I don't think that that's healthy, but I do think that it's safe for us to conclude that 2020 probably didn't have this list of accolades that we accomplished, right? This laundry list of like, I don't know, all these like goals that we set out to accomplish and we did, or you know, maybe your Instagram feed is not filled with lavish restaurants or parties or these international trips that you took. No, unfortunately not. Instead, the year has been filled with waves of uncertainty and chaos, doubt and stress. And this looming question of, can I even experience peace amidst this turbulent and chaotic year, right? Like, is is peace even possible for me in 2020? Over the last few weeks, we have centered our Advent series, Arrival, on the four prophesied names of Jesus in Isaiah 9, 6, right? We've studied Jesus as this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, and an everlasting father. And today we're concluding that with the fourth prophesied name of Jesus, our Prince of Peace. Friends, Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And I don't know if you're like me, I'm I'm pretty guilty of this. Sometimes I'll think like, okay, duh, like (laughs) that's great for Jesus, right? Like Jesus is this embodiment of every amazing virtue that I feel like I can't accomplish. And so for me, I'm thinking that's great for him, but what does that mean for me in the midst of my chaos? This morning, I want to take us back to a familiar passage. If you were with us two weeks ago, Ryan touched on this. And and this morning, I want to continue that. It's in Mark 4, 35. Maybe you've heard this story a million times, or, or maybe it's your first time, but I think that there's something so important, especially in the first few verses, that we often tend to gloss over. So allow me to set the scene a little bit. In this passage, the disciples are in the middle of their own 2020 storm, if you will. And just as an aside, I think it's interesting that we refer to 2020 as a storm, right? I keep hearing that language. And if you notice the last few weeks in our sermon series, we've been referring to literal storms, 
right? Like last week, Chris talked about his dad driving them through the eye of a storm and how he still felt so safe with his dad kind of being in control and that fatherly figure through the storm. And this morning, we're reading about the disciples in a boat in a literal storm. I just think that's so interesting. So let's read. Verse 35 opens. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. I wanna stop right there. Jesus, who's all knowing and in all control, says to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side. He's inviting his disciples to cross over and he knows there's about to be a storm, right? If you read this, you know there's a storm coming. There's something so important here. I think there's a lesson for all of us, but let's keep reading. We'll circle back to this. Verse 36, they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. But Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Jesus is chilling. He's unbothered. He's completely at peace in the middle of this storm. Then the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Isn't it funny how relatable this is? I read this verse and I'm like, as millennials would say, it me, right? Like, teacher, don't you care? I feel like that's our immediate MO. When anything stressful happens in our lives, don't you care, Jesus? And notice the assumption that they make. Don't you care that we're going to drown? To them, there's no other possible outcome to this storm. It's like, no, we're gonna drown, Jesus, and you don't care. And all the while, it takes one word from Jesus to stop the storm. The wind stops and there's a great calm. Friends, I think that we forget that sometimes in our own lives, we have access to experience that great calm. We have a prince of peace that offers us this great calm, the wind stopping even in the middle of our storm. But the calm might not look what we expect or what we want. See, Jesus doesn't promise that there won't be a storm in our lives. So I think it's, it's probably time for us to stop being surprised by the storms, right? Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Because this is life. You know, 2020 has not taken God by surprise. It's not like God took a year off from being God. No. Sometimes it takes a storm for us to get to the other side. And I want to encourage you with this today that the storm in your life is not the absence of peace. No. But Jesus in the boat with you is the presence of peace. I'll say that again. The storm in your life is not the absence of peace. Jesus in the boat with you is the presence of peace. And you might be wondering, okay, Nassim, like what is peace, right? Like what do you guys think of when I say peace? I think for some we might think of harmony, right? Just going with the flow, this sense of ease, feeling tranquil. Maybe you think of hippies. Maybe you think of passivity, right? I wanna take us on a word study journey through the word peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And the beautiful thing about Hebrew is every letter also has its own meaning. So the word shalom in Hebrew is three letters, mem, lamed, and shin. When you put mem, lamed, and shin together to get shalom, 
Linguists have translated this to English to mean having the teeth to destroy the authority of chaos. Having the teeth to destroy the authority of chaos. Mm, right? I'm just like, it's so powerful. I read a book over this summer that talks about um, the current culture, like Western culture, and how we're so quick to just, we want to hustle, we want to hurry. It's all about accomplishment. And the author, Jefferson Besky, talks about how true shalom is the antidote to chaos. He writes, true shalom carries weight. I love that. See, shalom or peace is not self-discovery. No, it's not what you get after years of therapy or reading self-help books. It's not just like a feeling that comes to you or a state of being. No, it holds weight. It's gritty, right? It has teeth. It's not passive. You and I are victorious in his peace, in this shalom, even through our circumstances. And when we talk about chaos, I, I want to camp out here for a second and kind of talk about chaos. See, for me, when I think of chaos, I think of it having two layers. I think of the first layer of chaos being the object of your stress, right? Maybe it's the diagnosis. Maybe it's the loss of the job or the stressful job that you're currently in. Maybe it's the loneliness or the despair or the depression, right? That's the object of our chaos, layer one. And then layer two is the authority of chaos. I get this visual of a snake slowly wrapping itself around its prey, right? Around you and I the authority of that chaos that begins to rob us of our joy, of our peace, even robbing us of, of starting to question God, right? Like, God, don't you care? Where are you? It's so multifaceted. And then in that, we're also struggling for control, right? All the while in this strife and this worry, we're striving for control when he offers us completeness and wholeness in his shalom. And friends, the good news is that this peace has already arrived to us. It's arrived to us in our Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. This is why I love Advent so much, is Advent is this season, right, this month, where we're able to symbolically reflect on the people who were waiting, right? There was about 700 years that went by between when this prophecy in Isaiah was told to when Jesus was born. So people are waiting. They're expecting this Prince of Peace to come. And the beautiful thing is for you and me in real time, he's arrived. Right? He's already here to us, so we're just being able to celebrate in that. It's so powerful. And if you are watching this and you know Jesus today as your Savior, amazing. That's awesome. And the good news is, is it doesn't stop there, right? See, knowing Jesus or being a Christian is not this unlimited ticket to peace in your life. Surprise, surprise. It was a surprise for me. No, so you might be wondering, okay, so then how do I experience this shalom in my life? How do I experience this peace? There are actually conditions for receiving Jesus's peace. And I wanna walk us through three of those conditions today. Those conditions for receiving that shalom in your life and mine. The first is fixing your mind on Jesus. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. See, our natural tendency is to fix our eyes on the storm, right? It's like the disciples, like, don't you care? We're about to drown. I'm in this storm. Where are you, Jesus? And instead, we don't realize he's in the boat with us, right? We, we don't often think of him in the boat with us offering this shalom. Ask yourself, what is your mind fixated on right now? Even as you're watching this, 
Where does your mind go? Like, what is that stressful situation you're going through? I often like to challenge myself in the middle of my stressful moments. Like, where is my trust level at right now? I really believe that every storm in our lives is this opportunity to kind of take a step back and be like, what is this storm showing me about how little or how much I'm trusting in Jesus? It's so convicting. So as we fix our minds on him, that shalom begins to make its way in. And you might be wondering, okay, but what about all my stress, right? What about all my worry and the things I'm going through? Because that's valid and that matters. And that brings me to the second condition, to receiving his peace. It's bringing that worry and that anxiety to Jesus in prayer first. See, normally our first instinct is for control, right? We're, we're faced with a stressful situation and we're like, okay, what's my game plan, right? Like maybe you go into flight mode, fight mode, whatever that might be. It's like, let me come up with a game plan to figure out how to fix this. Paul's words in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, sum it up perfectly. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then, emphasis on the then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. I love the way the NLT translates that. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Have you ever experienced this? For me, there's been moments in my life where I'm faced with so much stress. Like maybe it's a decision that I have to make or maybe it's this moment where in the moment I'm just so about to be crippled with like, what are people gonna think? And as a recovering people pleaser, that, that's happened a lot. And there are moments where I, I take it to Jesus first in prayer and I feel this, it's not even a feeling, it's like this promise of protection over my mind, right? I just feel this immense amount of peace, this shalom. And I want to talk about this word guard, right? It says, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds. Friends, the word guard in this translation is literally the equivalent to a military guard protecting a fortress from siege. That is so powerful, right? It's, it's not this like I pray for peace and I feel this like feeling of relief. No, it's a deep promise. It's a promise that when we take these requests and these anxieties to him in prayer, he guards our minds from fear, from our joy being robbed, the peace grounds us. The discipline for us to experience this peace though is bringing that laundry list of worry and anxiety to him first in prayer. It might even mean taking a posture of surrender, right? I've, maybe you've noticed people when they worship raising their hands or getting on their knees. Maybe that's what it looks like for you. Is like, what does it look like for me to really just offer up that entire load I've been carrying to him? getting on my knees, closing my eyes, surrendering. So in fixing our minds on him and in taking our worries and anxieties to him in prayer, we begin to experience this shalom. And finally, the third condition to experiencing this shalom is obeying the words of Jesus. It's obeying the words of Jesus. Friends, I'm just gonna call it like it is. Sometimes as humans, we want peace without the obedience, right? Like I'm, I'm guilty. We want the peace without the obedience. And I'm reminded of just, you know, experiences or, or situations that I've seen with people where maybe you might be lacking peace in your life, but it might be because you're not in obedience to him in that area of your life, right? Maybe there's an area of your life where there's major unforgiveness that needs to take place. 
Maybe it's in a dating relationship and you are knowingly dating someone where you know this is not what God has called for a godly union and you're still moving forth. Maybe it's an area of pride. Maybe God wants to check you in your humility. The list goes on and on. Maybe it's, it's curbing your anger, right? And not reacting in anger. John 15 is this amazing passage where Jesus talks about abiding in him, obeying him. I wanna read a few of those verses to us as a reminder. Starting in verse four, Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, Jesus, and you are the branches, you and I. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Then jumping to verse 10, and this is the kicker. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so you'd be filled with joy and that your joy would overflow. See, friends, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit producing this fruit in us. Well, peace is one of those fruit. And it is through abiding in Jesus, it's through obeying his commands that we begin to bear this fruit of peace in our own lives. And abiding in him or obeying him isn't just this, you know, sometimes I go to church on Sundays, right? Like sometimes I like go to small group. No, it's so much deeper. I encourage you to, to ask yourself today as you're watching this, are my roots planted deep down into Jesus, right? Is he this master vine and I am that branch that's deeply connected to him? Maybe it's as practical as just, you know, what does obedience look like? Like, maybe I have to pick up my Bible more. Maybe I have to make it a habit of actually reading my Bible more to know what are Jesus' exhortations to me? Like, how am I called to obey him? And, and we don't obey out of legalism. We don't obey to just check things off to be in right standing with God. No, absolutely not. No, it's, it's, through, the, it's through the obedience and the abiding that our love for him grows deeper and deeper. It grows deeper and deeper. Right? And, and that's what he's talking about when he says your joy will begin to overflow. I think of Jesus in that boat with the disciples right at the end where he says, why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? I really believe that this is where that faith begins to grow too. The more we obey, the more we abide, the more our faith grows because we see how trustworthy he is. We see how sovereign he is. We see ourselves how he sees us, Right? So how do we experience this shalom? How do we experience Jesus's peace? It's not the absence of the storm. It's the presence of Jesus in the boat with us. And it's through us fixing our minds on him. It's us taking the worries to him in prayer and obeying his words. As we come to a close, I wanna share another verse with you guys. And this is a very famous verse. I'm sure that many of you might have this verse, maybe even framed in a picture in your home, or maybe it's embroidered on a pillow or something, a very 90s thing to do. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And I'm gonna be honest, I had never read this verse in its full context before. I'd always read it and I, I love it, right? I think we all love it. We hear it, we love it, it's great. And I had never read it in its full context. So in preparation for this sermon, I went back and I studied Psalm 46. And it was crazy to realize that Psalm 46 is a psalm of distress. The entire psalm, the psalmist is crying out to God, basically talking about how his world is on fire. 
I read it and I'm like, wow, this is so reminiscent of 2020 for many of us. There's this powerful imagery of the world quaking, the earth shaking, mountains falling and surging into the water in verses one through nine. And then it's almost like he wrote, he's reminded in verse 10. Suddenly he says, I'm reminded, be still and know that I am God. And this runs so parallel to Jesus in the boat to the disciples, right? Amidst all the chaos, it's one word. He says, silence, be still. And the great calm arises. The waves just immediately pass. Be still. When I think of be still, you know, I think of being quiet or being passive, right? When I read that verse in the past, I took it to mean like, okay, just be still, right? Like take a minute to pause. Okay, he's God, right? Are you with me? Because you just kind of are like, yeah, be still. Know that he's God, like great reminder. So I read this a step further and I want to invite you to geek out with me just a little bit on this. The beautiful thing about be still, the actual Hebrew translation of what that means is to let go. It is to surrender. One direct translation is, letting go to become weak. How powerful is that? How weakening is that for us? It's like the art of utter surrender. And to geek out a little bit further, when you look at those two phrases, the imperatives, to be still and to know, the emphasis is on the second imperative. So what that means is literally, it is in our being still that we know he is God. It is in the surrender, it is in the letting go that we therefore know that he is God and experience that shalom. And I think that knowing is the light bulb moment where shalom comes in. And you're like, okay, I get it. Recently, I, I had one of these be still and know that I'm God moments. And I wanna share that with you guys. For the last year and a half, I've been seeing a spiritual director. And if you're not sure what that is, it's kind of like a counselor or a therapist. And they're trained to help you focus on Jesus and to know him more in his word and to kind of walk you through different spiritual practices to really just align you more with Jesus, to help you grow in your faith. Shout out to Patty if she's watching this. She's awesome. Patty's my spiritual director. And during COVID season, we've been meeting outside in this beautiful garden at a church by my house. And last month when I went to see her for our appointment, she led me through an exercise that was so, so integral to my faith and to, to this be still and no moment. And normally it's a 10 minute exercise. It's called the park bench exercise. And I wish I had time to, to lead us through that right now, but I encourage you to take 10 minutes this week if you'd like and do it on your own. But I, I kind of want to just sh share the nutshell version with you of my experience. So basically she invites you to take about five minutes in the beginning before anything to really silence all the noise out, right? Lord knows how long it takes to just shut down your mind. So really just to shut out all the noise. And she began to walk me through this prompt. She's like, Nassim, you're going to picture yourself on a park bench and Jesus coming to you on that park bench. And I want you to just take 10 minutes to picture this and to kind of go through that experience in silence. And then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what you experienced. And I know this might sound kind of weird to some, um, but I, I just share this just to share how tangible this experience was for me of, of really just having this moment with Jesus. And I'm personally not a person who has visions or, you know, kind of a lot of people get pictures from God or whatever, but 
that's why I share this is it's beautiful because it was a new moment for God and I. And I share this to share that any of us can have a moment like this where you just silence and invite Jesus in. So as, I, as she's prompting me, right, she's saying, you're gonna picture this, okay. And I'm gonna be so honest, you guys. My first thought, I was like, okay. I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I have my list. Like, Jesus, I'm drowning. Why don't you care? That was my attitude. I literally was like, okay, yeah, I'm ready, Patty. Let's do this. Like, Jesus, come towards me. Like, why don't you care? I'm drowning. And so as I'm like kind of just trying, you know, I'm giving you the expedited version. That's my attitude, right? That's my posture. And as I'm just sitting in silence and I'm picturing Jesus walking towards me, the first thing I experienced was utter awe at Jesus walking towards me. Like I, I couldn't speak really. I just was like, okay, wow, I'm just gonna pause for a sec. So I, I'm just pausing and I'm like, wow, I'm having this moment with Jesus and I couldn't speak. And then Jesus sits on the park bench next to me and he invites me to just curl up on his lap and put my head on his lap. And I'm immediately picturing myself, like even as a younger version of myself. And he's like playing with my hair and I'm just laying there. And for me, one of my top love languages is, is physical touch. So even just that moment that was so raw and tender was so powerful. And I felt like in that moment, it was honestly like this, this prince of peace, right? This royalty coming towards me, this, you know, his daughter, and offering me a deposit of his shalom. And I just immediately felt like I could just like take a breath. And guys, I just feel like we all need to take a breath, right? It's, it's been a time, it's been a season. And I felt like in this moment on this park bench, just laying down, I just was like, I just like let it out. And the list didn't matter. The list didn't matter anymore. Like I, I just had this moment of like, he knows the list. He knows the list front to back. And I'm sitting here wanting all these answers and wondering why Jesus, this and that. And he's like, can you just be with me? And in that moment, as I'm just laying there, right? I just was like, that is being still and knowing, right? That is the being still. Like I just was able to be still and I knew he's Jesus, he's peace, he's in full control. And it was so, so special. And as I left that day, I went home and I journaled and this, this one line that I, I wrote down was, I can be at peace with uncertainty because I'm certain of his presence. And friend, you can be at peace with uncertainty because you are at peace with his presence. I pray that this message and this moment has encouraged you. 2020 has been a storm, right? It's been a storm. And the reality is that January 1st is not a magic bullet. I'm sorry to say that, it's not, right? We don't know when things will change, if they will change. I don't know that, you don't know that. And so what we do know is that this year was not a waste. No, it was not a waste. You and I were shaped. We were shaped by this year. And I just encourage you that Jesus is in the boat with you. So many people I've heard this year say, you know, we're all in the same boat. And I just wanna speak some truth to that, that that's not true. We're not all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm. We are not all in the same boat. See, some of us are cruising through a storm on a yacht, thankfully, right? Maybe you haven't been as affected. Some of us are in a canoe or a raft, you know, like trying to get by. And others are, 
are just on a plank of wood trying to just survive this storm. And whatever heaviness you're carrying, whatever boat you're in, Jesus is in the boat with you and we need him. We need him more than ever. He is in the boat with you. And he wants you to go to the other side. That's the key, is that he wants you to get to the other side. And he offers you and I this shalom, this gift that you and I through him have the teeth, have the grinniness to destroy the authority of chaos. And his shalom guards our hearts and our minds through whatever storm we go through. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now, God, that through whatever storm we're in, that our eyes would be on you. You are a prince of peace. Jesus, I thank you that we can rest in that truth. I thank you that you invite us to lay down on a park bench next to you. God, the same way that in that boat that you were just chilling on that cushion, I wonder, I'm sure you, you wanted that for the disciples to just kind of lay down next to you in that, in that um, boat and just have this moment. God, I thank you that you are a God of peace that you've given us this gift, this grittiness to destroy the authority of chaos. And Lord, my prayer for anyone watching this right now, Jesus, would we step into those conditions? Would we step into those conditions for receiving your peace? Because it's a two-way street, God. It's a two-way street. We work in conjunction with you, Jesus. We partner with you. So maybe we remember, Jesus, to fix our minds on you, to bring our worries to you before we even start to stress out, Will we obey your commands, God? Would we obey and abide in you, Lord? May we let go in full surrender and be still and know that you are God. In your name, amen.